1: Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Testes. Testing? testing Testies? Testies? One, two, three? I don't know shit about fuck. I like, like
2: sucking Legit bad
0: podcast. Doo doo bop. I am. Welcome to Costco.
3: Okay, let's go, Brandon. Welcome to Legit Bat. Ow! And that is the sound of Biden shitting himself. Come on, man. Allegedly, uh, we're not sure if he actually did, but doo doo bud. Yeah, doo doo bud. <laughs> we have the one and only Matt from the Great Deception podcast on tonight, and we're gonna go over Starforts. Uh, we promised this on the last time. Mm, excuse me. Last time he was on, we said we'd schedule a part two of what the fuck happened. Because we did not go too much into Star Forts, it was more of a World's Fair type of thing, but everyone seems to love this subject right now, so we're going to do that. Matt, uh, give us your plugs here at the top so we don't have to forget when we're drunk at the end. How's it going, guys?
1: Good. Okay, good.
4: Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you can find me on The Great Deception Podcast. Uh, Instagram is The Great Deception Podcast, and I actually just uh, yesterday got onto uh, Alt Media United, so... Hell yeah. You can find all my stuff on alt altmediaunited.com.
3: Fuck yeah. Welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah. Uh, if you're a first time listener, of course, I'm Joe and Jen is with me and hey. Ben is picking his
2: nose on screen. Pass. Thank you for that. <laughs> <Ben>. <laughs> Was he really I, doing that? I wasn't looking. I, I, wasn't I, really a pick. I, I went like this because I had something in my nose. Uh thank you, Tire Dust. And uh I, I like how after getting shit for it from fans more or less trolls it's now just the thing that gets pointed out yeah it's funny
3: at least you didn't eat it i always say that at least when you're picking it you're not eating it
2: hey i put in serious effort to stop eating my bugs
1: when you were five or recently
2: (laughs) oh no totally recently yeah
1: oh that's That's
2: like in caddyshack
4: where they're like he's gonna eat it i bet you he's gonna eat it (laughs)
2: yeah well and like we've talked about it before like when you're stuck at work and it's just asphalt and you have a bunch of shit in your nose it's like well i can either pick it and wipe it or i can go like this and use the farmer's kleenex that's my favorite or i could just pick it and eat it why would
1: you eat it (laughs) No,
2: who gives a fuck it's in my body already it's just out one orifice
4: and in the other yeah but it was like i made it there's a reason it didn't make it in your body it's it's filtered so it didn't get in your body yeah. true no. it's just a
3: booger it's a dirt clumps really your tire dust clumps in your case it and would be like shitting in your
1: hand and taking a bite because it was yeah. already in your body like, well you. it,
2: this is the other way that i look at it i have a post nasal drip so does laurianne i don't know if joe if you do uh, but it's like yeah it's like it's constantly <laughs> sucking in mucus anyway so what's the difference if it goes backwards or just around
1: Because it comes out. I think that's what it is. When it's already in, it's okay. The act of removing it and then replacing it into a different hole is gross. Uh, uh, It just is. Well,
3: Yeah, (laughs) I I have a post-nasal drip too, and it makes my tonsils all inflamed all the time. It sucks. I
0: I got something else that comes out
3: and goes in a different orifice. (laughs) Don't talk over my sound drops. (laughs) Do-do, (laughs) bud. All right, let's get this going. Okay. Uh, also, if you're listening on audio, this is probably one you're gonna wanna watch. I keep it up on Rockfin for free for about a week or so, and then put it under premium. You gotta pay for it, you fucks. Uh, you can go to Patreon too. We'll probably, depending on how long we go, put the second half of this on Patreon, so you can go there too. It's three bucks. I mean, come on, skip your Starbucks for a day. Give us three three bucks. Anyway, Matt, let's get this started. Stop our nonsense. What do you got? Let's start out with. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what they are. What star forts are? What the official story on what they are and what they do, and then we'll go into your wonderful information.
4: Yeah, so so basically, what it is 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 star forts came around in, uh, you know, it's it's the, I guess you could say that the late fifteenth, early sixteenth century, um, and the narrative behind them is essentially they were built as defensive structures uh, because the French and the Spanish were just going wild at sea and shooting cannons on ground and we needed defense right and the original defense were castles well castles are just basically a vertical wall that you know you shoot cannonballs at them over and over again they're going to break down so what they did is they improvised and actually one of the original designers was Michelangelo Um, he came up with these defensive earthwork concepts and, and basically what it is, is taking, you know, cymatic structures. And we'll get into that later too, but, you know, almost like snowflake designs for people that are trying to envision what we're talking about. And what he would do is he would, uh, angle them, right. And then make the walls thick, you know, we're talking meters, yards thick, and, and so they were essentially impenetrable for the longest time because, you know, when, ca- when cannon fire would hit the, and, and they like to use red brick um, on the outside just because of the durability. So when you shoot cannons at it, it really wouldn't do a whole lot. So it took a lot to get into these things. Now, what they are is these extravagant landscaping where they build massive walls. I mean, some of these walls are 45 feet high on the perimeter. And then what they'll do is they'll layer it, they'll put a, a, a layer of wall, then like a trench or a moat of some sort, then probably another layer of wall. And then within that is whatever you're trying to fortify, whether it's a city, uh, you know, a tower, whatever it may be, it may even be landscape. Um, but yeah, so, so basically they created these structures and the fascinating thing, you know, and, and what everybody and the historical records say is they were strictly defensive structures. And so as we go through these things, you know, and you start seeing the pictures and all the work that it takes. Now, mind you, again, we're talking the 16 and 1700s when these things, you know, first started coming about. And think when we look at these things, think about it. It just doesn't make any sense. The, the architecture involved, the precision involved. And we're going to get a lot of aerial views so you can see the whole uh, fort.
2: Which and- uh, they did not have. At the time, at least so it told. Uh, at the time that they would have made these, they did not have the availability to see from above to be able to get those blueprint exact, uh, you know, precision
4: uh, architecture correct. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, not that we know of. Right. I mean, right. It, you get into the 1800s and, you know, we've heard we, we know there were airships and things like that. So they had a little bit more of a possibility to to get an aerial view. But back in the 15th and 16th uh, century, you know, as far as we know, there was no air travel. So, you know, other than Michelangelo's inventions that he was messing around with. They didn't nothing, have balloons back
2: then? Not not that we can find. no. Because I mean that would I guess that would have taken the invention of gas, uh, or uh, I should say, was it helium that they used? Yeah, yeah, they would have had to use helium, and you know, figured out the apparatus of one containing it, two controlling it. So I, I don't know when they came out with hot air balloons, but I knew it was a lot, you know, a lot farther back than uh, any other kind of aerial ship that we have.
4: Yeah, yeah, the narrative's going to tell you that the airships came around in like the the eighteen hundreds, so. Uh, yeah, this, gotcha. is, this is way, you know, we're talking about 150, 200 years prior to that. So, yeah, and that, that's another great point, Ben, because, you know, when you look at these, it, aside from the manpower required, the skill required, how are these made so precisely, right, without any technology that we know about, without any aerial views, I mean, these guys just must have been the most amazing land surveyors ever because these structures are just, to blow your mind.
3: Yeah, just the few pictures I looked up today to make the banner for the show, I was like, how are they, and they're all over the place too, right? Aren't that, they all over the that's world? That's
4: the other thing, Joe. Yeah, they're all over the world. It's not like you're just going to find them in Europe. You're going to find them in Asia, Africa, Australia, the United States, South America. I mean, they're all over the world. And that's what's even more interesting is, is, you know, kind of like the World's Fairs that we went over last time, you see similar architecture in places that, you know, obviously there's some communication, there's some travel between the sites, but not direct lines of communication. So you're having these things pop up in all these places around the world. And, you know, there's really no communication.
1: Is there really, is there any documented recording of who created them? Is anyone claiming to say, I built this?
4: Well, there's, uh, the, the you know, the original credit is kind of given, the design of it was given to Michelangelo. Uh, there's some people in the 16th century that I'll, I'll name. Uh, one was Alcaz, Alcazar Peruzzi another guy named Scamosi, and another guy named uh, like Florento or Flormento, something like that. Another Itali- It's basically the Italians that are credited with doing this.
1: They're credited and- with it? Or is there anything documented though that shows, I mean, I don't know how they how they uh, did real estate back in the day, but yeah. <laughs> is there any sort um, of recording of who owns the property or who built it? Any sort of like building documents?
4: There's, on- there's, you know, there's some drawings that I'll that I'll, I'll show you, but again, you're <laughs> we're relying on historical documentation, right? Which right. we've learned is suspect at best at times, <clears throat> and whoever they want to give the credit to will take they will get the credit. And Documents you know, so, don't lie. No, yeah. I'm
1: saying because I definitely think aliens made them or something else. <laughs> I don't think people did it. Well, they, um, they're
4: kind of similar to the crop circles, right, Jen? I mean, yeah. in, in the fact that they're all over the world, they you know, we hear people actually accept that they, you know, will say that they built them you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna find that oh, one, one night they went to sleep, the next day they woke up and there was a star fort outside. But at the same time, you're right, uh, you know, as to who were the builders, there are some people that take credit for them. Um, and after the Italians initially got this going in the 1500s, the French hopped on board real quick and started importing Italians uh, to do it in France. And it kind of spread out from there is what the narrative goes. To
2: go back to what you were talking about with the uh, land ownership and stuff. I mean, stake your claim is a saying for a reason. Uh, I do know that at least back when it was still monarchies and kingdoms and things of that nature, rivalry kingdoms would set up borders to what they've agreed on was their kingdom's land area. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, that is where the original uh, writing of deeds came in. Uh, mostly for noblemen and, and other stuff, they would give them a sequester piece of property that they would claim as their own. And everybody's seen the movies and read the stories. They would collect the taxes off of the land, this, that, and the other. However, when you're talking about star forts of this magnitude, it would I would assume that that would either be where, like a chancellor or a king himself would be, Did you end up just, I know we'll probably get into it. Did you end up unearthing any of the proprietors of these star forts?
4: No, not yet. And, and, and let me be honest with you. I've been looking at these things maybe two months right now. So this, this is kind of the part one of this. I kind of want to give like a high overview for people who've never heard of them as to, you know, what the general story is and, and, you know, what the different types are and things like that. And and next is the deep dive where I start going more into, like you're saying, the historical nature of it. Uh, Part three. Yeah. Like Jen was saying, who, who is getting credit for these? When were they built? Where were they built? You know, how, how did they go about building them? Was it, you know, and, and you'll see some of these are entire cities. So, uh, you know, a lot of it was ordered by the kings. And, and when you, we start looking at some of the layouts of them, a lot of them are on borders of, of the nations. So and, and ironically, if you look at the Eng- where the English put them, they were blocking basically France. Well, France basically set them up so they had a ring around their whole country. And then you look at Spain, and Spain was basically protecting itself from France, and then anyone who would come from the Italian side of, of Spain. So it's it's kind of interesting how these things lay out. And then you look at the U.S., and it's strictly East Coast based. I mean, there, there's one or two out West that, you know, and again, when we say that, these are the ones that have been identified and, and really called out and almost you know, I, I don't want to say a daily basis because that's an exaggeration, but on a regular basis, they're uncovering more of these with people just doing simple Google Earth searches and, and looking at the landscape today. And you can see a couple points and be like, okay, that was a star fort at one time, they've obviously built over it. And and so they're popping up. And, you know, the number varies uh, of, of star forts that exist today from between 1500 and 6000. So, I mean, you're all over the place. And then some people would even say there were upwards of 10,000 at the peak of these. So they're all over and they're in over 60 countries around the world. Um, So you you can find them just about, you know, one out of every three countries that are out there.
2: So from what you've been able to see, though, it does look as though they were the first line of defense against an invasion from a neighboring country, correct?
4: Yeah, if we're going to go strictly the defense route on the other route, it could be some sort of grid system. Right. right and if we're right. talking, lining them up on one coast, well, maybe you are trying to set them up in a defensive manner from an energy standpoint to align your energy on that coast right. also. So that yeah, yeah.
3: On like ley lines or like the line, ley line convert
4: whatever you call them when they join together. Have you looked into that at all yet? That's, that's one of the things I'm diving into next. And I'm actually reading a book right now uh, Where is it's called the, uh, the sacred network. And it looks into the ley lines in France and how a lot, if not all of the major buildings, cathedrals, forts are laid out on ley lines. So there is starting to see some connection there now. On the other side of it, the, a lot of these star forts and the majority of the star forts are water based right they have some connection or close proximity to water. And one of the other theories that out that's out there is that they were all at one time, surrounded or directly related to water and one of the ways to cut them off was to cut off their water. So we'll see some of those too. that at one time they would have been lush and green and now it looks like a desert. Because there's no water to the area anymore at all. Huh? They're like defunct power stations. If we want to go down that yeah, hole, it
1: seems well, like it's left over from a civilization previous to that's us. Why
4: it ties in so good to Tartaria. Yeah, and it does. The, and the empty cities and yeah, yeah. Much, it's much. one of those. It's one of those. Que- you know, you you can go with the narrative, right? That they were strictly defensive. They were for cannons, and then as soon as uh, as soon as they started developing, you know, uh, more explosive rounds and airplanes came in. They, they said they were useless, but you also see the date come up again of 1812 and how before 1812, there seemed to be a lot more star forts. And then around 1812, the star forts start to disappear or, you know, be destroyed, be disconnected in a sense. So, it all ties into that, you know, old world being destroyed. And I I feel like, you know, much like the buildings in the World's Fair, these things had more, they were more important than just defensive batteries. And they were part of that earth grid. Ties
2: right into that documentary. uh, Even the timeframe of it. If 1812 was the start, by 1860s, you start seeing people in the pictures. Uh, It all kind of, adds up to exactly what joe was saying
4: yeah oh without a doubt yeah and 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 in that documentary he touches on star forts for right. a good 10 15 minutes and it does i mean they when we start looking at them and we'll we'll talk about cymatics a little bit too which is you know the Ooh. influence of sound and vibration on right. whether it be sand whether it be water and and that possibility so yeah i want to look at a couple different things because i have i i honestly i don't know i don't know what they were used for but i have some ideas and i have some you know uh assumptions that i want to throw out there that for people to consider or, or you know a thesis so to speak on and see where it goes well, let's go then hey they were just for, they
3: were just for yeah. protecting people from cannons, yeah. dude yes
1: okay trust this case
3: closed shows over everybody we're going home <laughs> let me all right let's get going with your uh your slides though yeah throw those up there i think i okayed it for you to i don't even know if i did, can or mine whatever.
4: says it's okay just try it yeah so. here okay. let's see okay yes Whoa. there we go here we oh, go oh sh- oh shit oh okay shit. so here is the uh layout okay of of the world. And you'll see majority are in Europe here. East coast of the United States has a heavy presence. Most of those were built in the 1800s from what the records say. But then, I mean, you can go over to Japan. You can go down to Australia. You can look in Africa. You can look in South America. And there's even some in Hawaii. There is a gaggle in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they built. Supposedly, they built ninety-one of them in the 1850s alone.
2: Bullshit.
4: <laughs> right.
2: Probably. Yeah, in like right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Here's another o- overnight map, construction. Kind of blow your mind as to this. This combines some of the old structures too. You know, to mm-hmm. kind of show you, uh, you know, they have star forts marked. They have bastion forts, which it's just another name for a star fort. It depends how you want to categorize it um and he but the interesting thing here is you start seeing in the u.s you start seeing a little bit more out west than you saw before and then you look over here to russia and Mm then let me bounce back real quick because if you look at this map look what they did to russia or what used to be known as tartaria they show nothing there's absolutely zero out there but yet you come over to this map which tracks them also and you're starting to see some and if you look to eastern russia you start to see a lot of stuff so
2: am i mistaken in how i'm looking at this it does appear to be that they're in that area kind of the bridge between lower asia and the rest of of western europe a lot more of the cathedrals or as they were talking about the documentary um, energy storage places arches and that type of thing from the map here it looks like there's a whole lot more of those cathedrals and shit
4: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they're, they're, they're all over the realm, but if you look, Europe is going to be heavy with them early and the middle East also surprisingly. Uh, and yeah. a lot of those were cathedrals at one time and they were changed to mosques. So, you know, again, and, and cathedrals is a whole nother rabbit hole, Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, because some of those are said to have just been co-opted by the Catholic church and, and taken over when in reality they were originally healing centers. So and, and that goes back to frequency and all that fun stuff, which would explain um, why
3: there's so goddamn many of them, because I mean, who really needs that many churches like it, yeah. you can just create a God out in a field, you don't need to go into this place. It makes, well, And if you so think about sense. it now,
4: Joe, you, you tie it to like 5G, right? They, they would just be 5G towers that are all around. And, and in order to make sure the signal goes, you got to have more towers. So they would build these churches or, or whatever structures they needed, and it would bounce the signal huh um let's the see 5G is the devil that's the uh oh, yeah well that's different and that's the difference though this use the earth, earth and earth energy to Aether. benefit not only yeah the, the ethereal energy to not only benefit the people and the land whereas today we're just doing it as a detriment we're taking from the land and not giving anything back and in fact probably poisoning it so, and this is just I don't know the- that
1: civilization isn't there anymore. So maybe they were doing it wrong too.
2: Hmm. Could be. That's actually something that I've I've kind of been uh mulling over is the idea that and it, to me it makes sense. All of this cover up that we've been seeing for the last 100 150 years say let's for theory's sake say post-Tartarian mudslide my my idea is that they had tapped into something they figured out how to use it then they abused it and in a way the earth fought back and what they did was they then they tried to cover up the history so that it
4: never happened again that would make sense and that would explain you know that would tie in with the romanovs getting rid of the tartarians and all that stuff the rockefeller
2: and everything from 1890 which again is roughly 30 years from all the orphan trains in the 1860, when they started seeing people again in the pictures, and the summit of 1890 between the Zionists and basically the world leaders. The more that I I hear about this and the idea of combining um, the multiple ideas of flat earth, um, ethereal energy, and the containment or absorption and containment and usage of it, and then all of the dates that end up lining up, to me, it seems more like it was a catastrophe brought on by human nature. And they said, how the fuck are we going to make sure that this doesn't happen again?
4: Yeah. Oh, I, I would say so, too. I mean, it was just a, it, it's an absolute destruction and and there's no two ways around it. I mean, you look at the different right. wars that took place that that just leveled cities and you know there's really no explanation and or or even the fairs you look at the fairs they right. built the exquisite buildings only to tear them down right after the fair that it just doesn't doesn't make any sense
2: right that is absolutely gorgeous by the way
4: these yeah, yeah so so what, what we're, we're looking, looking at now, now up above is the list of the countries that have star forts in them there's about 60 countries listed up here down below we have what is called a five-pointed star Okay. And this is from Copenhagen, Denmark. And what you'll you'll notice is there's usually an original uh, star fort, so to speak, on the inside. And then around it would tend to be where the water is. Okay. And and then what they would do outside the water is build another structure. And that was usually where they used even more earth and they would build these angled walls to uh, make it very hard to get in. Um, Well, and and supposedly back when these would have been made before
2: the evolution of cannons, they were still using ballistas and trebuchets and uh, catapults. If they had that much distance, but you have the original wall of the star fort, then you have the water, then you have an additional wall, and then you have additional water. And my guess is, is based on this layout, they were more worried about it coming from the north. If you had that, it'd be almost impossible to get trebuchets and any kind of uh lobbed projectile all the way over into the inside of the star fort
4: with any accuracy yeah i mean you could lob it blindly and and hope to hit something but (laughs) hope to fuck shit up (laughs) yeah you know and and what i'm trying to illustrate here too is is you have one from denmark and one from japan they're both five-sided but they they vary slightly right and that's what you'll see there rarely will you see and i have yet to see two star forts that are identical Everyone has a different feel to it, but again, you go back and they look like snowflakes to people who are, who are listening. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have a a very snowflake appearance and they're precise. It's not sloppy. The corners, everything is measured out precisely. Uh, The inside of it is laid out with, with the facilities and, and whatever else you need precisely. And again, they're doing this in the 15 and 1600s with very limited technology that we know about. So do, uh, the,
3: the one similar thing is that, oh wait, go back to that one real quick. I just wanted to point out the that little area with the detached triangle, that looks really similar to the one in Japan at the bottom. See that?
4: Yes. And and uh, those are called ravenelles and and yeah they're they're more of a defensive that that's where you would have uh you know some sort of either a a manned area where they're watching um is what the story is right and and that's where your first line of defense would be and that's usually where the entrance is to the star fort as well gotcha because you'll see here you see the little road connecting it in on this side and then on the bottom here you'll see the road and usually there's there's one to two ways into these things but also there's also a massive amount of underground work under these as well we're talking they say up to you know at up to or more than 50% of the structure is underground as well between tunnels and labyrinths now when i think of tunnels i'm thinking of like you know, Vietnam with these little rat tunnels, you know, where these guys are down crunched, crawling through. No, we're talking. Some of these tunnels had 16, 17 foot high uh, ceilings. So we're talking.
3: There's a lot more of that than we ever would have thought possible. We talked about that probably last time with the New York city, like half of it being underground, that's probably all over the place. And if you think mud flood thing Mm -hmm. in Everything just got submerged with the the soil liquefaction or whatever that's called all at once. There's probably a whole, literal, a whole other world underneath of us.
4: Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Kansas City, Missouri is another example. I mean, there's so many tunnels under Kansas City, it's ridiculous. They drive trucks under Kansas City um, wow. into some wow. of the tunnels. There's,
2: there's a whole thing on... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was just going to say for these star forts, are they... Obviously, it's not called Starfort. What's it called? I mean, is it still functional? Is it labeled as a landmark? Can you visit it now? Or is it used by military or someone currently? The one in Japan looks pretty abandoned, but the one in Denmark looks like it could be used.
4: Yeah, they vary. Uh, a lot of them are were used by military up until they were decommissioned, and then they become like a tourist <laughs> attraction or a historical monument type deal. Um, okay. There's a lot actually in New York State um, that you can go visit you can take tours of them and things like that i i actually have been to one i didn't know my my parents told me about it so uh we went That's when we were cool. younger and uh but yeah so most of them are still open uh and you can you can kind of tour the grounds now whether you can get inside the star fort itself i don't know it, it probably varies but there are many that you can visit and, and go look at
1: that's interesting. Did they use the word star fort when they're talking about it on the little plaques they have outside? They're usually called bastion forts. And... Bastion forts. Okay. Yeah.
4: That's, that's the usual name. Star fort's kind of like the, the a new official narrative name. Yeah.
2: So really, really quick before we continue getting into this. Um, I, I thought I just looked it up because I wanted to make sure in St. Augustine, Florida, We used to live in Jacksonville, and we traveled the two and a half hours down to uh, St. Augustine. Now, supposedly, there's a fort called El Castillo de San Marco. It is also one of these star forts. I don't know if you guys can kind of see it in this picture. Nope. But uh, we went there. Uh, and we were actually able to go and and view everything on it supposedly i think it was they said it was erected in like 1610 or something i'll have to look it up uh for sure but I, that was the that's the only one that i've been able to visit and at the time that i visited it well let's just say my third eye wasn't even available um for viewing so I, all i saw was i was like huh, oh, that's cool That was it. Hadn't
3: taken taken the bat (laughs) to your forehead yet. You're welcome. No, (laughs) sorry, Matt. We we
4: rabbit trail all the time. Go do do your thing. You're way better. Okay. No, I was just trying to see if I could find that one Ben was talking about. No, and and basically this is just kind of an overview. Here's another example of one. Uh, Like I was saying before, uh, Michelangelo was given the credit for them. Uh, One of the interesting quotes that I found was though the, the Renaissance was hypnotized by one city type which for a century and a half was impressed upon all utopian schemes. This is the star-shaped city. Say that three times fast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so even back then in the Renaissance, <clears throat> they, they thought these were high tech, right? These were some fascinating structures. And, and like we were saying, there's no two star forts that are the same. They all tend to vary in shape and size, whether they use the same sort of layout, whatever they're being used for tends to vary. And, you know, again, they're a natural structure, right? They're working with nature. I mean, we look at this one over on the left-hand side, and it's just an absolute work of art. I mean, that's baller, dude. Yeah, it's in a peninsula, and you have a octagon with, you know, eight points coming off, eight bastions coming off the tips. And you can see how it integrates with the land around it.
2: One way in, one way out. That is that is absolutely
4: gorgeous where where is this one at i believe that one uh is in it's either the nether it's over in europe it's either the netherlands or uh belgium area that is
2: fucking gorgeous that i i would have to say that's probably the coolest one that i've at least from this view that i've seen because most of them like you, we've talked about being surrounded by water and whatnot okay true not to that extent that almost looks
4: like uh, a miniature dubai well and think about this ben how did they make that right how did they build right. that at the time with the con- with the, the materials and construction that they had they, i mean the technology don- was they're out yeah. in the middle donkeys. of the water
2: yeah how the fuck yeah,
1: did uh, they get lots all of how the slaves f- obviously Rope and
4: pulleys oh, <laughs> duh so easy
2: what, what were they what were they doing D- dragging big big ass you know pond scrapers behind their boats to move all that dirt like
4: what yeah no way yeah and that's one of the big questions is how did they landscape these how did they do all the excavation because i mean we're talking massive amounts of land being moved and being moved precisely right i mean this one up here on the top right hand side i just put that in because that was essentially a castle that they modified with a star fork right they they modified the landscape around it It was a castle up on a hill to fortify it a little better you'll see they put the star fort there and and that you know is obviously strictly defense right there but again could be energy um like that one right below that the castle looking one i mean
3: besides the actual fort with that thick green wall then there's those thin Walls, oh, you probably can't see my cursor on it. I'm pointing to it, but it's those, those squiggly lines
4: around the outside that look like lightning bolts, you know? Yep. Yeah. And those, and, and that's how they do it, right? There's layers to these. And, and it, you know, again, it could be defensive, right? You're delaying people being able to get in, but look at the positioning of this, right? I mean, you're in a bay, you're on the water. I don't understand why you would be defending the land side. Right, and that's what doesn't make any sense in some of these is that the heavy fortification is on the land side, and if these are defensive, supposedly for cannon fire, why would they be coming to attack that way? It just the story doesn't add up.
2: Well, the only thing that I could think of, and of course, this is playing devil's advocate on common sense, um, is the idea that it was a major trading post. That's where they would dock, and therefore they needed some kind of fortification from any kind of uh, would-be pirates or anything like that to try to come and take any of the merchant ships or any of that stuff. But even still, that seems way more extravagant than just fortifying a coastline like normal people were doing. Yeah.
4: Oh, without a doubt. And so, yeah, this is what they had before the Star Forks, right? They had the old style castles, which basically you would be up on a hill and you'd be flinging arrows down and and (laughs) using the trebuchet to throw it up. And really the only hope of getting in there was to get a ladder and get up over the walls or siege the gate and get in. Um, So what they did is on the left-hand side, this is their first attempt at you know, the modification. So if you look at this structure where it's grass, in all likelihood, it would have been water at one time. And this is one of those where you start looking at it and 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 reading about it, and they definitely drain the water to this area because you start seeing around it, there's there's some very dry vegetative areas that would have been lush back in the day. Um, and, and so they tried, but what they were using were these rounded, um, structures around the outside which didn't weren't as conducive to defense uh they offered up what's called dead zones and we'll talk about that in a minute here but yeah this was the precursor to star forts and then we move on and we get into the star forts and on the left here we have their first attempt so what they did is they had a moat they decided to build the star around it you'll see the bastion point coming out over here Um, And they're built out of red brick, which is very conductive. As we've learned, Uh, you'll see there is a little bridge down here to get in, you have to go through the brick wall to even get close to the structure itself and get across the moat. Now on the other side of the river, like Joe pointed out before you have another wall with a similar star shaped pattern, offering another line of defense. So it's, you know, and what they did is they innovated these things, right? You look at this one on the right here, and this is a work of art. I mean, again, it's basically an island surrounded by water. You have the bastion points coming out, and then you have even ravenelles out in the middle of the water, okay? You have these these perfectly shaped structures just in the middle of the water. How did they build that? That's what I'm trying to figure out because I mean, that, that would be a work of art to, by today's standard. And well, again, they're...
2: I think the idea is, is that, like we saw in the last slide, where they've dug out the trench without the water, this would have all been completely built in the middle of a landmass, and then they would have dug out to the sea to
4: fill it up with water. In all likelihood, yeah. Okay, that's that's the only that's the only way it seems plausible, right, Ben? I mean, yeah, it's about- not
2: like they can make islands in the middle of the water like they can today with all of the technology. I was just gonna
1: say the same thing, Ben. Like, I agree with you hundred percent. It's like when you build a sandcastle at the beach, you build the whole mm-hmm. castle and you build the moat, and you do it when the tide's coming in, and then it fills up the moat and then fills in that whole wall that you've made. Right. Or the little and ditch like,
2: made. To make a wall. Right, and like you said, just like with sandcastle, that would have been the only way to do it with rudimentary tools. Yep. I mean, but even still, like the precision, you, you're talking about what, what what should have been years of erosion that if all they were doing was I mean, unless they like, unless they dug it all out and then also fortified those little islands from the bottom of the moat up to the top where the landmass is at with
4: brick or something of that nature, small they little are, islands. They oh, are brick they. Ben. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, my God. Will. And around the sides here you can see that these are brick structures that go below the water there.
2: That's how they kept the shape then.
4: Yes. And you, and do you have a, and, and,
3: a age range on this one on the right cuz that
4: one's fucking amazing looking. Yeah, it is. That's that's probably a mid 1600s right there. Bullshit.
1: I feel like that's- these are sandcastles of the giants though. Like maybe a giant race was around then and they were just building these things and it was very easy to them. And they could make it super intricate and it wasn't hard because they were huge. It was like building a dollhouse or a sandcastle or something because like that. Because these that, are acres
4: yeah. of campus, Jen. You're right. I mean, we're not talking about a like on the on the left here, it's one castle, right? That may be two to three acres worth of land. The one on the right hand side, that's probably fifteen to twenty acres right there. It you looks know? like a whole little town. Yeah. I kind of I mean, want to live there. Oh, yeah, it looks beautiful. Well, and until yeah, the bridge I want goes one. Down. <laughs> Then you're stuck there. So um, I'm okay with that too. So, so what 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 they were were they expensive? Yes, these were extremely expensive to build. Um A in manpower and B cost, right? Because you needed the materials, you needed someone with the skill to be able to not only design, but to craft it, to excavate it, to do the brickwork you know, everything. It, it, it wasn't like a one-man crew. I found a, a list right before I was, I was hopping on and I couldn't throw it in, but they said they would need upwards of 20 to 30 different titles of people just to get these jobs done, you know, from planning to execution to the landscaping at the end. It and those would, are just th- the people in charge. Yeah, no workers, just the people kind of designing and running the show would, you know, it would be take 20, you know, experts, essentially. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're looking at this one on the right in the Netherlands, and it's a star within a star within a star. And it's just a beautiful landscape, perfectly designed. It's precise. It it flows with the land. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful structure. And, and basically what they're saying, what I'm saying here is that the, the reason and their idea as to why these things went out was because of artillery shells and, and airplanes. And once they came in, they said these were useless because they were just easy targets. Um, right. But if you look at it back in their time, if you look at these walls here, what you'll notice is not only are they angled back, but they're extremely tall. I mean, the, the, you're talking. Oh, yeah minimum of 15 to 20 feet someone some of them are upwards of 45 to 50 feet high
2: well yeah I mean if you just look at the houses and structures on the inside and compare for size those walls easily go above the roofs yes yeah and I guarantee that those that much like anything else you'd see inside of a courtyard in a castle those roofs are probably at least two or three stories tall
4: oh yeah Yeah. We're not talking about just, you know, a one story house here. These are buildings, right? Yeah. So what I was talking about before was the dead zones and you'll see that here. There's a difference between when they decided to go with the bastion and the the diamond pointed, it eliminates all of that area there where it's a dead zone for from a defensive purpose. So that was one of the additions they made is that they could cover now cover this dead space between the four bastions whereas in the old layout if they were rounded it would leave them four blind spots essentially um and and what they would do is they would use the ditches use the landscape to channel the troops where they wanted them to go essentially to to make it easily defensible
2: here's a question based on what you've been able to research do you believe that they started from the inside and worked their way out or from the outside and worked their way in? Uh, It's usually the inside out. And then they would construct the multiple star layers around it?
4: Yeah, from what I've seen. And there's actually one that we'll get into in a a little while uh, in Italy, where you'll see there was uh, one layer was done in, I believe, the 1500s. The second layer was done in the 1600s. And the third layer was done in the 1800s. And so it sounds like they... You know, generally, they would build the inside, then go out and, and work that way. Um, so here's here's kind of a layout of the terminology, right? And we were talking before about those structures that are away from the fort itself, and those are called the, the ravelins. Um, the, the points is the bastion, and you'll hear that term a lot. Um, other than that, there's not too much that's really important these side structures over here. This one's called a crown work, essentially because it does look like a crown it has that crown shape. And the, the other structure that they would call is a horn work because if you look at it it has two points and it kind of looks like a horn. Um, and those are really the major structures that tie in with the star fort. and and around it obviously you're going to have some sort of moat or ditch uh that would act as a barrier as well
3: uh in the chat they're saying uh, justin is saying they each have their own resonant frequency sacred geometry it is very fucking similar to sacred geometry and mandalas and all that kind of stuff too and to make a, a whole fortress out of that it's mm, gotta be something to yeah it. do
1: you think they could have created something that was so powerful that it because they were built in the in the one of them that you showed us it was in the center of what they would have been protecting not on the edge so <laughs> they could create a barrier outward from that since it's a circle i mean it's a star but it's a circular structure at the end of the day and they could create a barrier around the city with whatever frequencies they were projecting
4: well, yeah, and, and one of the things that you'll see in Autodidactic uh, is a YouTube channel. They do a great job on this. And I was actually watching one of his videos last night where he goes on Google Earth and he's, he'll zoom into the, the ones that how they look today. And one of the things you see repeatedly is the way that these things are designed. They usually point like this one would have the city in the middle, but obviously there's going to be some stuff on the outside too, right? There's going to be other towns around it and things around it. So it it looked like on some of them that it may have been, you know, it it may appear to be a water-based defensive system. But in reality, the points of the fort are pointing back out towards the town. So to your point, Jen, if they are some sort of resonating or energy frequency, they're going to be pushing that out towards the, the, the townspeople. And that actually, yeah, but
2: that actually makes perfect sense, though, especially with that same documentary talking about, you know, the inside of the cities having archways more as like a, uh, uh, I forget what the like a the magnet
1: little, or like a, a capacitor. Yeah. 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 And yes. like
2: having having the archways as capacitors, the, the gazebos as um, more of like a battery station or, or the lighthouses and things that he was talking about. And then you have the cathedrals with multiple spires, which now have been adorned with crosses or uh, this, that, and the other. That would actually make perfect sense because if most of these star forts are on the edge or they're in the, they're in the center, whatever city would have been uh, the common people's city. It would make sense to push, in, push energy that they were receiving from the water which is the important part there, right? Pushing that energy from the water that it's collected basically as a a booster signal straight into these capacitors and the things that could hold the energy for the main people's town. I think Jen was actually spot on with that. And if it was pointing towards towns that were of bigger nature and housed the common people away from the defensive structure, it'd make a whole lot more sense to be able to receive that ethereal energy from the water and push all of it straight into the townspeople. Ben listen to you talking ethereal energy
1: ethereal energy who is this guy but so but that would make sense that maybe that's why the civilization was destroyed I'd like to think they had good intentions like okay we're gonna maybe it wasn't even good I shouldn't even say that but they were trying to build some sort of defense system like uh like our government currently is trying to build some worldwide network of 5G shit, and they're like it's so great everybody everyone's on board with this. Okay, it's a defense system. It's great. And then it just destroyed them somehow. We're not even sure because we don't know how it all worked. But well, you know, like all
4: star- of a sudden- Starlink, right? That could be a perfect example. It's supposed to help humanity, but you got to get a brain chip to make it work, you know?
2: Well, and the idea that all of a sudden they became obsolete because planes came in, they could drop bombs into the center of it, doesn't take away. That's That sounds like a perfect defensive cover-up to what would actually be, because why in the world would they abandon it if it was the actual idea of what we're talking about with um, being able to generate energy into a town, they would be trying to defend that at all costs, regardless of what was created um, to destroy it. They would be trying to come up with something unless they wanted the availability of pushing the energy to go away because of a catastrophe.
4: Yeah, it's it's your infrastructure. You're gonna protect it to, to death. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Are all the mechanics removed? Though is anything below anything that would collect the energy? Has that been discovered at all? Does well, anyone there's, looking Well, there's for that? tunnels
4: underneath, Jen. Like I said, there's a, a, in most of these at least fifty percent of the structure is below ground, including aqueducts. You know, water tunnels. Not only were they used for for people and for moving supplies in and out, and and for you know, uh, quarter living quarters, but also yeah, they're they're finding you know. Um, aqueducts under there that would move water around and you know that is essentially water is one of the greatest conductors out there
1: but anything to any sort of device that would hold the electricity or to generate the electricity from the water you know and store it and then project it up through whatever spires they had or whatever they had i don't know no know not- the, in the documentary they're talking about how everything was removed from all the spires that would have projected any sort of electricity i do remember that but there must be something from the water or in the bottom too you know there has it's just like a circuit there's a part in every yep, yep. There's little pieces throughout the whole thing that make it all work so just that part being removed from the top wouldn't make sense it would well
2: be removed those spires weren't weren't made to give out the energy they were intended to receive it much like you have grounding rods at the top of the spires at churches i mean that was it, their
1: it, theory we don't know
2: It was the no, I'm saying from the documentary, it wasn't to put out the energy, it was to receive it. That way it could then from from those cathedrals that have those spires, which now have crosses on them. The idea was, is that if it could absorb the energy and then displace it into the rest of the circuitry and be housed in the arches, that would be a way for all of those antennas to connect based on where the energy inputs were coming from the spires, which is bananas.
1: Yeah, that is crazy. So this would have to have a. I mean, in my head, I'm pr- I'm thinking of these as a defense thing now, but it doesn't mean it's right. But if they were going to project it out, they'd have Jungle to collect. Bog, Bog.
3: The- oh, I'm sorry. That was- oh my to- god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wrong button. Sorry.
1: Ooh, whatever.
3: I- I yes. Yes.
4: Not-
1: <laughs> anyway, they'd have to collect the energy from the water and then project it out with whatever defensive barrier. And I don't know. Yeah, And and that's where they say the shape, they
4: they say the shape has a lot of play in it, right, the shape and the structures that are within. So if you look at this one here from Portugal, that this is one that's up on a mountain. And you can even see that they've, you know, manicured the mountain in, in a way that it models the Star Ford itself with angled walls. And we're talking here probably, I don't know, 60, 70 foot climb right there. And that's um, without any
3: gigantic earth movers or backhoes or anything.
4: Yeah, wow. that we know of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so you look at it and, and if what, what I wanted to show is this first picture up here. What you would tend to see is that you would think that the energy would flow away, right? You see how everything's pointing to the uh, right here. And that's what they're saying is they would direct that energy in that way. Now you would get energy coming out from the other bastion points as well, because of the, the, you know, the whole uh, geometry of the shape, but the majority of it would be going in a direction. Um, And and what this is basically showing though, is there's different types everywhere. This one on the bottom right here is a giant uh, six or eight pointed star from uh, India. And You know, it looks very similar to the structure that they have in Portugal or, you know, it's they have these half ones where it's built on the water like if you look at this top one, it looks like it's missing the top half which may have been destroyed and fallen into the water or the water level rose and overtook it. So that's one of the things they're finding now on Google Maps also is that a lot of these things have either been destroyed or buried in some way or another. And as we start to uncover it, you start to see the bigger picture of some of these forts. Well, so it, like, one ahead. of the
3: things that that strikes me is that it's it's so much effort, especially back then when they're using ropes and pulleys and donkeys to construct <laughs> these things. It's so much fucking effort to make these. I mean, I guess if that's your life and you're trying to protect protect yourself, you know, from cannons and shit, then you would be willing to do that. But it seems like a fuckload of work. To make it in these, it would exact take a shapes.
1: lifetime. I mean, yeah, and that's one of the well,
4: things now, I'm trying yeah. to find, and good luck trying to find it. Much like the World's Fair, I I am unable to find anything so far on the actual construction of these. Um, and I'm I'm going to keep digging until I do find something. But yeah, from a time perspective, how long did it take to build these things? Um, you know, because you're talking about a massive undertaking here again with no modern tools. So yeah, it, it would take a um, even with A large workforce it's going to take a lot of time to do these
2: well i think i think if the idea that you could literally manifest a a civilization um this this now is bringing back a whole lot of uh older idea of historicism where um people are branching out to go out and conquest or find a new land and now you start You have a central location where it starts, they figure it out in Europe, and all of a sudden it starts branching out, but obviously as anything branches out, you're going to start seeing it petering off as people continue to kind of leapfrog away, everybody's going to want to have their own energy source, everybody's going to want to have the highest sophistication of defensive, which whether either one or both of those in erecting one of these things, you would want that for your civilization. If you're trying to go out and start your own civilization, you're going to want whatever the best technology or profitable or healthy um, thing is that is at that time what people are doing to connect to that energy and really push it into a civilization that you're trying to bring. And if everybody was doing it at that point, everybody would be on board, including the
4: donkeys. And that's one of the conclusions they, you know, that I've seen people make is that these were part of a larger network, right, Uh, of right, something that's been destroyed. And over time, now you're left with remnants of it and trying to piece it back together makes it a lot more difficult because you don't have the full picture. So you have to, you know, find and unlock these missing pieces to get to show the whole picture of the grid in its entirety. Like a, like, a,
2: like a broken and water-damaged motherboard um, trying to piece it all together. Once you break one of the diodes or one of the circuits, you know, the whole thing goes, and it's yep. done. And, the, mag- and the, the magic electrical smoke that happens when things break, you know, it goes away. They're talking about that in the comments right now about um, most of these all being around ley lines. And, and we talked about that in the beginning, the idea that all of these were somehow interconnected. I would like to point out, though, and I explained this to uh, my girlfriend, is that she was saying, well, why would they have all of those spires and things like that nature? I said, well, take into consideration the idea of flat earth, because in that documentary, that's what it was gearing towards, was flat earth, correct? Instead of a, a globe where you would have spires pointing out of different directions, if everything was flat and all of those spires were pointed up, And you're talking about a realm and more of a dome in that way with the idea of flat earth. All of those things would be pointed up at different levels around the realm, and they would all be being connected to whatever it is that is being shared within that flat and domed ether that would be going around. It would make a whole lot more sense with the idea of this energy that flat earth was something to entertain by this alone assuming that this is what they were actually using it for, like a circuit board. I'm going
3: yeah, to have and- to sample that sound bit. Our f- flat stationary realm. We were just- uh, <laughs> <laughs> so
2: we're told.
4: Yeah, and that's, a, that's an interesting point, Ben, because in that book, The Sacred Network that I was reading, and it's the first time I've heard of this because I'm not very scientific. I'm, I'm kind of getting into it by uh, like swallowing on a fire hose. But one of the things that they said is that there's two, two waves of ethereal energy it's called you'll you'll love this the a spot which is the above ground wave which tends to flow longer and more in a wave pattern you know like a natural sign pattern it'll go up and down so if it gets to a building it'll hit the building it'll go up the building (laughs) over it and then down and keep going with the landscape whereas then you have the g spot which is The ground-based, which is either at ground level or below ground level, and uh, and and that wave will, will go in a straight line. It's direct. So when it hits something, it's either going to go through it or it's going to stop. Right. Sorry. Did I and throw that, you off there? Sorry. Well, and that
1: you're like, oh, I know this is. So
3: coming. I was listening to his he's episode today, and, and I'm like, he's going to say G spot. So
2: <laughs> that also that also makes sense though, because if you're actually talking about the idea of the flat realm you'd be talking about a centralized North pole, right? And so with the way that the magnetism would work on a spinning disc versus a spinning globe, the idea of that energy transference would actually work a lot better with what you're talking about. Um, and that, that's another whole other rabbit trail of the idea of that energy, almost like a uh, centrifugal force or vortex being created and kept up much like uh, a Tesla tower or something of that nature where you have a, a almost a generator inside spinning fast enough to actually create it. And once it's created its own, the, the natural magnetism, and in this case, spires, which would be rotating all around um, you know, the centralized pole, would actually continue that energy. If they created enough of them, you would almost have a, a surge, if you would, of energy because they would have made enough of them to create its own energy
4: field. Well, and they say that's also why they had the water, too, around it was for cooling purposes, right? Because if if these things start getting hot, the water around them would help manage and contain the, you know, the heat if it got, you know, you got too much of energy at one spot. Now, again, it's speculation, but it makes sense if you think about it. Yeah, it does. Yep. Very well
3: said, Matt appreciate you coming on Thank uh so great much. deception podcast on instagram anywhere you get podcasts he is available he'll probably be on rockfin soon he's also on alt media united but yes
1: good for you dude that's awesome yeah i
3: mentioned that at the beginning
1: i know that's badass i wanted to bring it up again because that's fucking sweet
3: it's awesome uh but until next time because we're gonna have to have you back again and you do the research, um, and bring it to us, and then we'll put it up.
4: <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah. No, I, I honestly I love doing this stuff, guys. So it's not even work. It's like uh, just finding the time to be able to do it. Trying to work and manage my son, and exactly have a little <laughs> bit of a social life. It's like, but man, this stuff's amazing. And yeah, it, it, next time I got something good, I will. You will be the first to get it. Fuck. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you. All Stick right, guys. After we
3: stop. Thanks for listening. Thank you in the chat. We will catch you guys next time.